Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. You don't want to be the mom on a ski trip. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I needed like a cigarette dangling from my other hand. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. We want to give people hope. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. There is literally brown stuff on your teeth. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And this week, we are talking about your life begins again when. We are stepping into our roles (laughs) as the voice of the future. And we are coming at you to say... It gets better, guys. I mean, we all could use a little bit of good news right now. So this is a good news episode. It is going to get easier. So we have listeners all over the board. You know, we started this podcast four years ago when our kids were younger. I had a, what did I have, Amy? A four-year-old, a three-year-old when we started the podcast. And we are now, myself, we are, I'm in a particular sweet spot, I feel like, where the kids are old enough to do a lot of stuff, but they're not really old enough to have kind of big kid problems. Do you know what I've heard that called? What's that? No one in diapers, no one driving. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. I'm at nobody in diapers, no one driving. And let me tell you, I'm really feeling it. I'm Mm -hmm. liking it a lot. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Yeah, I'm (laughs) in the sweet spot. I'm hanging in the sweet spot. I definitely am getting some like tweeny eye rolling attitude stuff going on. But I mean, come at me. It's fine. It's not bothering me that much. I'm no one in diapers and one kind of driving and the other one old enough to drive and showing no interest because I live in New York City. So like you should learn to drive and they're like, why? Who cares? Let's take an Uber. (laughs) That's where I'm at. (laughs) But the attitude does come with it, which I like. The attitude comes with it. Yeah. Why? So we came up with this topic based on a thread in our Facebook group, which you can join at facebook.com forward slash what for shellcast. And it was Kristen who said... The second part of your life begins when your kids can get dressed to go outside in the snow by themselves and play out there without adult supervision. What's your version of the second part of your life begins? And I I think probably two years ago, it would have been put a similar thread on. It was before we had a Facebook group. I just posted it on our Facebook page saying, like a chorus of hallelujahs has rung out because my kids just went out to play in the snow and I did not help them get dressed. Oh, that is 
I mean, in New York City, again, when your kids want to go play in the snow, you got to dress them up in their, you know, nonsense. And then you have to walk 10 or 15 minutes into the park and then stand there while they slide down the hill a few times and then walk them home. It's an afternoon's commitment. And I was so glad with this last big snowstorm that I didn't have anybody who even wanted to go out in the snow. And if they did, it wouldn't be my problem. They could do it themselves. Yeah, it's a big one. I want to say right off the bat that a lot of the stuff we're talking about, we talk about this sometimes, that you picture things as being two doors, right? One door is marked, you need to help them with the snow stuff. And the other door is marked, you don't need to help them with the snow (laughs) stuff. And that you get to go in one of those two doors. And in fact, like most things, it doesn't quite work out that way. It's more like winding paths, you know, because even now my kids are 12, 10, and nine. They are definitely capable of putting on their own snow stuff and going outside. But we had a very, very deep snow. I don't know. We probably got 12 inches, 10 or 12 inches. And what would happen is I would want them to go out and play in the snow for a long time because I didn't want them in the house. And they would go out and they wouldn't have tucked their boots in. And then they would come in 10 minutes later and be like, I am in horrible pain because snow got in my feet. (laughs) And so... Even with 12, 10, and 9, I do some supervision of the ceiling of the entry points because it's worth it to me to do 15 minutes of that to keep them outside for an hour and a half versus letting them handle it on their own. And then they go out and 10 seconds later, they're like, oh, the snow is hurting me. It makes me think of like teaching your kid to ride a bike And, you know, you hold on a little less, a little less, then you get let go for a second. It is a a gradual process of letting go. It isn't a hard stop. So I guess you're right. If you try to do a hard stop, you'll be sorry. (laughs) Right. Everything's kind of like that, right? Like, it's like one of the huge, I mean, we had many votes. As the tallies came in, a clear front runner was kids being able to wipe their own butt. That was just like, people were like, thank goodness. And... It's another one. That's another one. Like, you can let them wipe their own butt. However, some slow unwinding of supervision is probably warranted for everybody's own good. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where, like, it's not exactly door number one or door number two. There's some other stuff going on. (laughs) But let's go back to playing in the snow. Okay, all right. Jillian says that she put a makeshift table on the deck There is snow piled on it. She set them out there with cake pans and told them to make snow cakes. It bought me at least 30 minutes. Very nice. And Kelly was thrilled with this idea because she said that she still needs to help our kids get ready for the snow, but they could bake snow cakes alone. Yeah. I mean, it's a good day when you're inside waving to them through the window, right? And they're outside. That's one step. Oh, it's the greatest of all the days. And let me say the point of the snow stuff that we have not gotten to is not having what we used to call the yard sale. So when we were skiing, do you know this expression? Did you grow up skiing, Amy? No, I didn't. My husband did. So I've taken our kids skiing as a grown. I mean, talk about you don't want to be the mom on a ski trip, right? But continue away. I'm sure she will. (laughs) Horrible, horrible. That will never get better. We used to, I don't know if it was a universal expression or if it was unique to our family. There was a certain kind of a fall that you would call a yard sale. That was like when you had a spectacular fall and your hat went flying off and your gloves went flying off and your <laughs> ski poles flew and your skis came off because it looked like you had laid all your stuff out to sell in a yard sale. So that's what we called that kind of fall. Got it. And similarly, when I walk into our 
playroom where which is the entrance to our house it's a yard sale like it's like guys did we just take off one item in every direction like i'll find hats like up on the bookshelf i mean Mm -hmm. they just take their stuff off and fling it in every possible direction and slowly melting muddy ice onto each floor and countertop onto all every surface and we don't have a lot of houses on the east coast have something called a mud room right which is like your entryway where the gross stuff goes you know or there's sometimes a side door where you can you know it's got you can put like a rubber mat on the ground and that's where you take off your muddy stuff (laughs) we don't happen to have one of those and so you just walk right into the basically main part of the house we put some lockers there but it's just the epic destruction and then they go to go out two hours later and they're mad because their gloves are wet and I'm like yeah if you would put it on the little I have a little you know dryer rack for clothes and if you would put it there in front of the heater it would be dry when you want to go out Mm -hmm. in two hours but the fact that you flung it on top of behind the couch that's why it's still wet so that's we haven't reached that point but we want to give people hope you're right Amy we're not supposed to be focusing (laughs) on the negative let's just it's all great in the future guys nothing's wrong but yes that one is still a work in progress my life has yet to begin to the point that my children could do their own things. This is a good one. Uh, buckling themselves into car seats. Amy, not me, says when kids can get themselves in and out of the car, including buckling. You and I have spoken about the importance of the minivan and how one needs to just get over oneself and get a minivan because it really does help with the reaching this milestone sooner. That your doors just go, the kids get in, climb in, buckle themselves, and you can put the key in the ignition without touching a car seat. That's a great day. It's a great... I have to say, this is one I really remember. I had... Three kids in four years. So I had, I might have at one point had three non-bucklers. I mean, it was, and then we didn't get our minivan until later. So I would sometimes be like folding the front seat up and trying to reach back to the seat in the far corner and like buckle. It was awful. And then we had one (laughs) car where there were three seats across the back and you couldn't really fit three car seats. You know, it was too close. I was constantly like, cracking my fingers trying to you know pull one car seat up while buckling the buckle and then I would drop the car seat onto my hand there was much wailing and gnashing of the teeth I am really really glad that phase is over there's an article in the paper recently I'll try to find it and put a link in the show notes saying that American families are you know shrinking from an average of you know, 2.7 towards three kids back down to an average of two kids. The reason they suggested that this might be happening is that American sort of automotive safety rules, these enormous car seats, you can't fit three across a back seat. So you can't have three kids because you can't fit their car seats in the car, literally. And I thought that was an interesting sociological outcome. That's hilarious. I would have definitely testified on that behalf. I feel like that kind of science, sometimes it's a little bit like, I'm not sure that's exactly right. But I did experience it and I support it to that degree. Yeah. I remember my friend with three littles, like yours all at once. She had like, I have to ask her what kind of car it was, a certain kind of car and a certain kind of car seat that moms in the know knew you could fit three across a back seat. My sister-in-law had four kids in six years 
And I was like, do you think you're going to have more kids? And she's like, uh, it's just now you have to make that commitment to the being the van family. <laughs> and it's like, right, you can't fit in a regular car anymore. So now it's like, are you going to go there? Are you going to have five? She stopped at four. Tara says, when everyone can buckle themselves into the car, big family plus special needs equals waiting 24 years for that. It's amazing. <laughs> Congrats, Tara. Congrats. I mean, big applause to you, Tara. And this is another interesting point that sometimes we talk about this is like, oh, at this, again, the two doors, right? At this age, your kid will be able to X, Y, and Z. And for a lot of us, those things did not happen exactly at the developmental times we were told they would. Yes. And so that's a whole other aspect of this, right? There are kids who potty train at 18 months and there are kids who potty train at six and beyond Mm -hmm. and so whenever you get there pat yourself on the back because it's your milestone when it happens it's not your milestone doesn't take away from your milestone if your kid doesn't get there exactly at the same time other kids do the suffering is in the gap as i like to say so don't let the feeling bad that your kid hasn't gotten there yet be another thing on your pile while you're also still buckling them in the seat (laughs) Yes. And here's another one that's big. I had a late pumper. Kids who can pump their legs on the swings. Oh, this is a good one. Lee says, when mine learned to swing themselves, it was huge. Jillian says, when they learned to pump the swings by themselves. I mean, these are big milestones because pushing your kids on those swings is one of those minor yet existentially horrible activities that I feel like does not get enough attention i always felt like a 70s like madman woman like just like i needed like a cigarette dangling from my other hand like where you're like talking to the other mom and like very borededly pushing your kid with one hand (laughs) extremely borededly borededly just being like oh my god and i had three who swung and it was exhausting this is another one that's a little bit different for me because when my kids were little, because I had to be there. Any, It's like going out in the snow. I had to be there at the playground anyway. Like, I guess all things considered, I would rather not push them on the swing than push them on the swing. But I would really have rather not be at the playground with them than have to stand there at the playground. You see what I'm saying? That that's when, yes. you, for me, when things really got better. I remember somebody saying that to me. We had a playground right near our apartment called Hippo Park, and it was you know, the landscape of my life for several, several years. And we always had a little fair every year that I was volunteering for. Of course you were. Yeah, I mean, I got roped in. And because there was a mom with older kids who was like, hey, you want to do this fair with me? And she said she was sort of like, you know, stepping away from it. And she said, there will come a day when your kids don't want to come to Hippo Park anymore because the stuff is too baby for them. And I looked around like, what? I couldn't believe that I would ever move beyond Hippo Park. Reader, I did. Reader, I did. This used to be my playground. Madonna's song. Cue it right now. Play it in your head. Yeah. So I guess it was a little better when I could just sit there rather than be involved in the catching on the slide and the pushing on the swing. But I really hated being there at all. That's a thing that I'm not that into. Like, I guess what I'm saying is what I'm not into, Amy, is playing with my children. Mm-hmm. But I never liked the playground. I liked sitting at the playground and reading a book while they played. That was fine with me. But I never really loved the like pushing on the swing and the slide. Ah, it's exhausting. No, I don't, yeah. I'm not saying I loved it, but I am saying it, it occupied my extreme boredom to some level. <laughs> 
it's definitely nicer to be outside. And when I, one thing I will say is when I had little ones, I lived in Los Angeles and the weather was always really nice, you know? Mm-hmm. It does make you get outside. But gosh, everything when you're a kid is a hassle. Then I was thinking about going to the playground and I'm like, oh, and then I was always trying to change one's diaper. And the one thing I did know, and this is a good tip for multiple when you have a lot of little kids, I knew the location of every gated playground in Los Angeles because I would only go to gated playgrounds because then yep. I could change a diaper and be like, all right, when I look up, the other kids are still going to be here. If we went to ungated playgrounds, I mean, I had one who was a runner. I would go to change my tie my shoe and he would be three counties away. Horrible. Have you ever talked with him? Like, why'd you run? What was that about for him? No. <laughs> Never had that conversation. Just a thing. Never thought to ask. Just wondering. He just likes me. He's that guy. He likes motion. All right. We'll be right back with more. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby's skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. All right, Amy, let's talk about the potty. Okay. We foreshadowed it. We alluded to it. But going to the potty by themselves, I agree with this for sure, but it was not... Diapers, it's a long goodbye, this one. It's a long goodbye, and yeah, maybe it's just that I don't remember, but diapers are gross. I get it, but of all of the things that annoyed me, diapers were not, they weren't that annoying to me. 
Well, yeah, I feel like, right, like diapers are, it's a concrete thing you can, you know, get your hands around, right? And then so is a potty trained kid. And this big middle is kind of the worst part. I guess that's right. People ask me about potty training or advice about potty training. And I'm like, I don't really remember that much about it. I definitely remember at some point being like, yeah, we're done with diapers couple accidents but basically they figured it out i think with my oldest we spent a lot of time on it like talking about it in books and, and, and i don't know it doesn't stay with me one thing that this did remind me of allison said when you're no longer aware of every single bowel movement yeah and i laughed because we have a child in our life who i will not give any identifying details because perhaps this story will not be something they want to remember when they're in college but we were watching this kid while their parents went away for maybe two nights. And it was the older brother and younger brother. And younger brother was potty training. And older brother is just a kind of by the book guy who's like, he's the kid who's always like, what's going on? What's for dinner? You know, he's just like Joe Reporter, basically. You know, he's like always got the 411. He was probably four. His brother was three. And the younger one was potty training and he decided it was his job that he would take over keeping track of how many times he used the potty because he had seen his parents doing that. And every time they called from their like luxury vacation where they were finally getting away, he would give them like a 20 minute report on the peas and poops of the day. And I was just dying laughing. Of the younger brother, right? Not of himself. But- of the brother. Uh-huh. No, he would be like, okay, here's what happened. He got up in the morning. He peed. And I was just laughing. I was like, I'm not sure they need this much information, but I love that you're providing it because it's true. When you're a kid, you think that your parents are really interested in how many times you'd be in poop, but they're just trying to make sure that you don't have to go. When I uh, was potty training my youngest, we had a poster in the kitchen because, you know, every kid has their own currency, right? This kid, princess stickers. So um, we had a, a chart in the kitchen where she could give herself a sticker on the proper side, you know, peeps or poops for each uh, successful attempt on the potty. And her five-year-old brother got, you know, he was very put out that he didn't also get to have stickers. So he, he made his own charts. So we had two charts going for a while. Yes, that's also a great thing. It's like you're busy while one kid is doing one developmental milestone. You still have other kids. That's complicated about having multiples. I mean, the charts, I kind of forgot about that. I'm having a flashback, like the charts of the breastfeeding kid and the my oldest newborn was a very, very, very difficult newborn. Ended up having reflux and needed medication and stuff. But they told me to keep track of his eating and his napping and I would start to see a pattern emerge. I was told that if just keep tracking, you'll see the pattern. You'll see when the long sleep sort of wants to occur. And his pattern was a non-pattern. His pattern was like a computer punch card of random 15-minute naps. But I kept track for months and it was not a useful use of my time, but I did it. So I'm so glad to be done with charts. That's another second part of your life. I don't chart my kids anymore. I had the first that the first part of my life because I refused to do any of those things. And like, it's really true that like the doctor would be like, I was having problems breastfeeding and oh, keep a chart. And I was like, ah, that's not going to happen. Like, I, there's no way I'm keeping a chart. And then at some point, one of my kids was having some sort of issue and they were like, you should breastfeeding. I think you should consider this elimination diet where you do, you know, you start eliminating dairy and then, and I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Like (laughs) for other people, I just, there was just whole categories of things where I just thought to myself, I just know that's not going to happen. I might make a two day effort, but it's not going to be. And and luckily we sailed through it. And believe me, there could have been things where maybe it was serious enough that I would have had to do it. But thank God I never had to confront that because I was like, I mean, they're always like, how's he sleeping? How's he this? I'm like, eh, it seems okay to me. 
I don't have a chart. You might have gotten there. Because I ended up doing dairy-free for almost a year with my oldest, and it was, everybody thought I was being so magnanimous in my family, but it was completely selfish. Like, I needed to sleep more than 90 minutes at a time. But wait, you did dairy-free because you were breastfeeding? Because I was breastfeeding, and I went, I mean, like, trace amounts, like reading, like, salad dressing labels and stuff. Oh, yeah. There's no way I would have done it. I mean, you're a better mom than me. I would have just been like, kid, it's formula all the way. Yeah, I guess so. I could have done that. But yeah, he was so... But yeah, the last thing we wanted to do was start... Yeah, he was... It was bad, but my dairy-free diet was born of total desperation. And it worked. I will say, if anybody's dealing with that right now, give it a shot. I mean, you should definitely do it if it works for you. And there are situations where perhaps I would make sacrifices for other humans, but we just haven't found them yet. It was... To be clear, it was fully for myself. Like, I cannot, you know, do this one more day. And so dairy-free was the easiest road to sleep for me. Here's another category, watching a movie in another room. Courtney says, we just got a TV set up in our basement. My husband and I watched a movie downstairs while the kids were upstairs playing an OMG. I've waited so long for that. Mm. Anytime we had our three-year-old nephew visit a couple years back, at the time, probably my youngest was, I don't know, maybe seven, you know, and... It really was a revelation in like, oh, yeah, you really can't. He was younger than three. He was probably closer to two. And you just realize like, oh, yeah, you can't leave a two-year-old for two seconds. And especially because we moved when my youngest was four. And so we never baby-proofed this house. So I have like China that is reachable on bottom shelves. You know, I mean, it's not a house that's set up for little, little kids. And man, it was such a remembering of... Oh, this is really hard when you have to. Our whole house was just transformed for me. We have steps in every room and it's just not a house I would have been able to. We would have gated it or something if we had little kids in this house. But you see a little kid and you're like, oh, that's right. You can't watch anything. You can't tie your shoes. Yeah, I'm looking at this like I left my kids like, you know, a 22 minutes of uh, the backyard again and I'd run get in the shower or something. But it, it is sort of like do this and then check on them. Do this and then check on them. It isn't they're watching something while you are relaxing and engaged in something that lasts more than 45 seconds in a different room. That really is a, a new phase. Relaxing. You are relaxing while there's in another room from you. That's right. You're not watching a movie. You're basically, I remember I lived in an apartment. The laundry was in the basement and my sister-in-law was staying with me at some point and the baby was sleeping and I was humping the sleeping baby downstairs with the laundry. And she was like, you can leave a sleeping baby for five minutes while you go bring your laundry upstairs. (laughs) And I was like, oh, the reveal. But basically it was just as stressful as bringing him because, you know, otherwise you're just tearing through like pressing the elevator button. Like I got to get downstairs because the baby, you know, there is this, I feel like is something you don't realize with a lot of things. You don't realize how tired you are. Yes. When you have a baby until you start sleeping. I would say it's Oz, right? Like you're walking out of the black and white house into Technicolor and you're like, oh, I did not realize that I was that exhausted. And you don't realize how much mental space is taken up by like, is the baby okay? Is the baby okay? Is the toddler getting hurt? Are they wandering off? Is the door open? You know, until you're not doing that anymore. It's much more relaxing to not do that. You know, Uni says, you were just talking about the basement steps. She says that when your kid navigates the steps, she thinks that's like when your life changes. When my little kids learned to navigate the basement steps so they could join their father in his man cave, it was life changing. Yeah, I mean, 
when they're able to basically when the constant soundtrack of like, oh, my gosh, how are they hurting themselves right now? <laughs> Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Turns off. Yeah. It is unbelievably soothing. It is unbelievably soothing because kids do do great. I was lost. I told the story before in the podcast that I was lost for like three or four hours when I was maybe three years old because I just wandered off. You know, maybe that's why my son wanders off. The mother of the runner. I was just thinking the same thing. You were a wanderer, not so much a runner. Guess what my mom never asked me, Why did you do that? Why did you do that? She just was like, please don't do that again. But it doesn't take long for things to go real wrong with little ones. And so it's a biological imperative and it is a necessary phase that you have that soundtrack playing 24 hours a day. But let me tell you, that soundtrack goes away and Mm -hmm. it's heavenly. I remember so clearly when my son was born September 25th and we were watching the World Series. So that's October. And I was just sitting there breastfeeding and sitting at home and having this overwhelming feeling that like I had ruined my life and my life was over because now I would just be with this baby all the time. And it was watching the people watching the World Series, the people sitting in the stands long, long, long before COVID packed stands. And I was looking at them like, they must not have had kids. How could they be outside watching a baseball game? That like, as if that life had become permanently unavailable to me. To anyone, right? Not just you. To anyone like how are these people at a baseball game i guess they're old and their kids have moved away you know like it just i had completely lost the script on like there are people who are not thinking about a child 24 hours a day i would more like peek out from between the bars and just think you have no idea you are wasting your freedom do you not understand they don't. They never understand. You would peek out between the bars of your caged life? Of my confinement. That's right. Of my metaphorical confinement. Okay. I was like, were you at a bar with your children? No. You mean the bars of your confinement. Yes. Yes. We also had right near where we lived in LA, there was a strip of outdoor you know, cafe restaurants. Like People would be sitting out on the sidewalk and I would walk the baby in the stroller and just stare at them like those people are drinking during the day outside. Like Again, it was like a fishbowl of how is this happening for you? Looks like it was Erica who says the stroller, the first time you don't bring a stroller with you is when your life begins. I'm not sure that's right. I mean, it is a different phase of your life, but I'm not sure it's an easier one. The stroller is pretty great. Well, this two sides to the story. Number one, yes. Like when you think about that stroller that the car seat goes into and then you got to collapse it and lug it in and out of the car, being free of that is heaven. Being free of the infant car seat. Yes, I agree. That thing is a bowling ball. Being free of the infant car seat is amazing. But then keep that umbrella stroller in the trunk forever. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, my youngest is now eight. She wouldn't fit in it. But I'm going to tell you that I took a six and a four-year-old to Disneyland. We lived in LA, so we just went for a day trip. And we ended up having to pay whatever, who knows how many millions of dollars to rent one of those Disneyland strollers. They're probably like 45 bucks a day or something, because this is another one that is not two doors. You're never really sure when you're out of the stroller. And I would occasionally put my six-year-old in a umbrella stroller because... You know, I wanted to see the whole zoo and he would get tired and I didn't want to listen to him whine. I kept the umbrella stroller a long time. And people, this is one of those things that people feel very vocal about in public. I would see people and they'd be like, that kid's too big to be in a stroller. People would say that to me all the time. Oh my God. And I'm like, your mouth is too big to be talking to me. Move on. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing about like zoos and amusement parks and all that is they start out, you know, trotting confidently next to you in the parking lot, but it's like a mile and a half before you hit the line for the first ride. Yes. And then it's too late. Reconsider. And let me tell you, when you're a couple hundred dollars in on a Disneyland ticket, you're like, <laughs> we're giving the extra 45 for the stroller and we're going to keep this day rolling. I mean, a stroller, like, yeah, you could just throw everything in it. I mean, like, your dry cleanings folded over the top. I loved my stroller because it just was, like, always having... It was my car, basically, in New York City. But that's also New York City. That's New York City, too. Because for me, if you say the word stroller, the only image I have is folding it down and then whacking myself in the face with it while I'm trying to get into the trunk of a car. Like, that's the only experience of the stroller. But you were just, like, strolling along the streets happily, and you had somewhere to put your stuff. Yeah, it was my trunk and yeah it was my everything yeah i mean that's reasonable i salute you but getting rid of strollers is the best we'll be right back margaret i've been at the research again looking into metabolic health and more importantly metabolic flexibility which turns out is the key to improved energy levels better sleep better fitness all the things and i found out about all this because we got a chance to try lumen the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different and fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. And now... Let's take the other side of that advice. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. I promise you, Mama, someday you'll long for those sticky little handprints on your wall. So, maybe, but on the upside, in exchange for sticky handprints, you'll have a kid who knows how to vomit into the toilet every time. And that will take the edge off the sticky handprint longing, I promise. Bigger kids, bigger problems. Bigger kids, less having to do advanced contortionism to get the youngest into his car seat in the way back. So it kind of evens out. Let them be little. They're only young once. Let them learn how to turn on the iPad and pour a bowl of cereal themselves so you can start sleeping in on Saturdays and enjoy them being young on just a little more sleep. You'll never have this day again. Tomorrow, they'll be a little bit older than they were today. Tomorrow, they'll be that much closer to being able to wipe their butts by themselves. Embrace it, folks! Sunrise, sunset, 
quickly fly the years. And that means that no matter how big a crap fest today was, it won't be long before you can leave them home alone and run to the grocery store without dragging three kids with you. Let's focus on the positive, people. This has been Let's Take the Other Side of That Advice from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Okay, so I want to put forth what to me is the biggest like before and after of your parenting life when things get easier. And I have a couple of people who agree with me here. But for me, it's when I could say to my kids, go upstairs, take a bath, put your pajamas on and then come back downstairs and you can watch a show or whatever. And it would happen without me. That was the biggest Rubicon of my parenting life. It's phenomenal. It's another um, thing that involves its steps. I definitely remember I had one go upstairs, take a shower, get in bed. And I went upstairs to say goodnight. And this is it. We have a, our bedroom is downstairs and the kids' bedrooms are upstairs. And often at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, goodnight. Like, I don't even (laughs) want to walk upstairs. I'm too tired, you know? So I'm like, goodnight. And so my son had been showering for a while by himself. He was, I don't know, seven, let's say. And I went upstairs once in a week to go tuck them in and he was in bed soaking wet like soaking wet and he had just gotten out of the shower put pajamas on and gotten in bed (laughs) and so his bed he'd done it like six times clearly like you forget what you have to tell them you know like no there's a step where you towel yourself dry you need to make a youtube video right because he'd watch that and like it was his job and follow every step Yeah, it really is the thing of like, you forget, you don't know what they don't know. You thought that was assumed. You thought that was kind of understood. Get dry, get wet, then get dry. But no, no, just straight into bed. Yeah, I mean, you're right. This is, I perceive it in my memory as being something that was like, and then the door slam. But yeah, you do need to supervise the outcomes. I did have one kid who was pretending to brush their teeth and not brushing their teeth for a while. Who knows why? Why do they run? Why do they not brush their teeth? Amy, you just said a mouthful. That is, I mean, that is still going on in my house with everyone brush your teeth. Okay. And now there's a secondary phase where... I listen. And if I don't hear the water run, luckily our pipes are old enough that I can tell from downstairs whether the water has run. Because, yeah, I will occasionally see one of my kids' teeth and be like, there is literally brown stuff on your teeth. Like, you have not brushed them in three days. Well, let me tell you that just because you hear the water running doesn't mean they're brushing their teeth. (laughs) Still not an indication. Yes, my wily non-toothbrusher was running the water and not brushing his teeth. And I was like, why is this a win? Why the effort? Why is doing all this better than having clean teeth? I don't get it. (laughs) It just was getting away with something. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's laid into the uh, numbers. It's high up in those age numbers. And I'm still occasionally going up and brushing teeth for people because I'm like, we at least once a week need this done correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not doors, guys. It's always it's paths, whatever your alternate metaphor is. This is an interesting one I hadn't considered. Kimberly says, there are so many. The earliest one I can think of is when my kids learned to sniff. I don't recall when it happened, but not having the boogers hanging out of their nose from November to March is a good parenting doorstep to cross. I could not agree more. And 
Robin, we make a little set of notes to talk through everybody's responses. And I try to categorize them like, okay, here are people talking about buckling. Here are people talking about butt wiping. And Robin's category is bath, barf, butt, because she had a trifecta. The end of bath toys, when they can throw up into something and the blessed end of butt wiping. But I want to just concentrate on Robin's middle point. I do think that kids who can throw up into a receptacle, that's a whole new day. It requires foreknowledge of like, I recognize this feeling (laughs) and I know what's about to happen. Right. And there's an action I should take Mm -hmm. in the car. Oh, my God. Like when my kids still get car sick sometimes in the car, I'm like, get the bag, get the bag. Like I'll be scrambling around for a plastic bag while I'm driving. And the person who's nauseous doesn't want to hold the bag because they think it makes them feel more nauseous. Yes. Yes. I'm like, be that as it may. Do not let this go forward without a bag in your hand. We invested in something, Amy. I saw them probably at a hospital, and then I bought them off of Amazon. They're vomit. They're like a thing to vomit into that you use at a doctor's office. Okay. And I would get, we have them in the back seats of, like a Tupperware container? No, it's like a picture, like a Christmas stocking. And at the top, there's like a <laughs> mouthpiece. And then it seals. And so it's a win-win. I would just say, I don't want to get too into it in case people are sympathetic vomiters, but I would invest for some for your car. Let's put a link in the show notes. Will you send that to me? And we'll make sure we link to that in this episode, because I think I might need one of those. I will indeed. I will. The barf sock. Well, I understand that the plastic bag is disgusting. Let's not go into it. I'm starting to feel sick. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about big kid things, Amy? Okay. You are truly the voice from the future. And this is something that many people, Lillian and Rebecca both said when they drive. Yeah. That doesn't seem relaxing to me. That seems very stressful. Well, talk about the like, it's like teaching somebody to ride a bike times 100. It's very hard while you're doing it. But just the other morning, my kid who has a learner's permit, it's like, there's no yogurt. There hasn't been any yogurt miles for like four days. So... And my spouse pointed out that he could just, you know, drive the five minutes and go buy some yogurt, which, of course, was unthinkable to him. And he didn't do it. He rather would just complain. (laughs) But it's possible. It's like turning on the water to brush your teeth. It's like it's more fun to do the other thing. Thanks. (laughs) I don't actually want to do that. But I have a friend who had a baby when we were really, really, really young. So she had a driver when we were before I had kids and. She always said, she's like, I sleep less now than when the, when he was a baby because, you know, she just would sit up waiting for him to get home from places. You know, he was out driving around L.A. And I don't know. That seems stressful to me. That seems like not when your life begins again. But I don't know. Eventually you get over it because you're not driving them to play practice. I guess that's true. Like the idea that they could be like showing up. In ice time. <laughs> I see this in... We have a big distinction between babysitters who drive and babysitters who don't drive because when you come home from a night out, a rare night out, my husband and I come in, you're a little tipsy, you've had a great time, and then you're like, okay, you go drive the babysitter home. And then half an hour, my husband's back, and I'm like, okay, now I'm dead. I'm tired. I'm asleep. You know, it's just, that's not the best. In this same category, how about staying home by themselves? Yeah, okay. My kids are just starting to stay home by themselves. They're 12, 10, and 9. But the problem is not... They'll stay home by themselves while we run errands, go to the store. None of that's a problem. But when we go out for a long time at night... The problem is that sometimes fights break out, and that's why I need a babysitter. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Our kids were old enough to leave home by themselves, but the sibling rivalry was so intense. I think we'll need a neutral party for a long time. Yeah. 
Now, somebody else was saying, well, you can go away without them, but you don't do that, right? Would you go away and leave your kids home alone? I probably, well, seeing mine are old enough now that I have a different problem, right? That I probably would have somebody stay over one night or drop by frequently or whatever just to make sure there wasn't a party in my absence or something. Right, right, right. Yeah, we always had family who were around, so like... If my parents went away, like Aunt Suze just came and stayed with us until we were in college. You know, I mean, it was there was always we never got left home alone, but it was easy. You know, now if both of us ended up, my husband and I both had a trip, we would not leave the kids. I've never left the kids to put themselves to bed because it just seems like they wouldn't. Nobody's teeth get brushed. <laughs> yeah, their teeth would definitely not get brushed, but I don't I haven't quite figured this one out. But also, we just have babysitters we really like who just come over and then they play with the kids and they're happy. So, right. It's not some, but I do love, I will say, when my kids were super little and it, I realized like I'm out of milk, the only option is to put three kids in the car and then bring three kids into the grocery store, get milk and get three kids home. I mean, and this was when I had little ones, there wasn't all this like door dad, you know, like someone will just bring it to your house. I mean, that was truly terrible. I always have like a Parmalat around, you know, like the shelf stable milk for just that kind of thing. So I don't have to go get milk for a coffee one freezing morning that I forgot. But the problem is I immediately use it. Like I have it around for like that rainy day. And then I've opened it two days later. I don't even know what Parmalat is. It's shelf stable milk. I mean, I've heard of it, but it would never occur to me. Yeah. It's like comes in a box like chicken broth and then you just kind of have it. And like there's something about it that's a little weird, right? You kind of want cold milk in the refrigerator, but I mean, it works. So have one of those. And then if you really need it, although you're beyond the point that you have to bring your kids with you, you just said that still, you don't want to go either. I never want to go. I mean, that's my problem. I'm very disorganized. And so I try to make my meal plans. I try to this, I try to that. But you know, it's like the other day I was making a lasagna. I'm four steps in I don't want mozzarella cheese, but that's what my husband's for. I was like, honey, <laughs> you have to go to the store. <laughs> and we don't have bodega type store. You know, when you lived in this in New York City, you could go downstairs and go to the bodega for a slice of cheese. You know, you could get you could go for milk, like milk, eggs. Yeah, like some very basic stuff. Can of soup. The basic, basic, basics. And basically in the suburbs, you have to commit to ShopRite, which is just a nightmare, like parking, especially around the holidays. You know, at least now we're coming out of it a little bit more. But oh, on you don't want on Christmas Eve to realize you don't have milk. This is a really good one. I can't believe we haven't discussed because it is so crucial. Valerie says for her, the her, her life really started as a parent when her kids could get up in the morning and turn on the TV or the iPad, as it may be, by themselves without having you to do it for them so you can stay asleep. It's absolutely fantastic, guys. It's I mean, I can't say enough about it. And it's coming. It's coming, everyone. <laughs> it's the best. And it's not that far off. I feel like this is four for a lot of kids. Yeah. Like, get up. This is our morning routine. And we finally, when the kids became school age, we had to set a whole set of parameters that were no screens in the morning on school days because my kids had gotten used to getting up. Both my husband and I like to sleep in. Luckily, he's a little bit more of a morning person, but that's what we do. It's like, get up, get on your screen. Don't bother us until we wake up. It's interesting. I don't even sleep that much later. I'm up at 7, 7.30 every morning, but always, you know, but... It's the sleep of not waiting to be woken up. It's so much more relaxing than the sleep of your ear is half listening for someone to bother you. 
Yes. Yeah. Or you open one eye and you see a little face staring down at you, right? At 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. I mean, it's just... I always find that when I'm away from my kids, I sleep this sleep that is 10 times deeper, even now, because... There's no part of me that's half listening for anything. I'm just like, oh, not my problem, not my circus, not my monkeys. Guess I'll get some sleep. I feel like this is good perspective because, you know, so much of what you see um, on Facebook or whatever is like, they're only little ones. Like, cuddle them once because it'll be, you'll be sorry when it's over. No. You, a little part of you will be sorry when it's over and a little part of you will sleep so much better because they're watching their own show. Like, it doesn't... And having big kids has its own set of delights. And I just think this is good that we're doing an episode that we're sort of cheering for the you made it through the hard part and you won't miss some of this. You won't miss the car seats. You won't miss the bath time. Not that much. Right. And it is. I'm team. It gets better. Like, I get it that everyone wants to be like, bank cans, big problems. Yes. The things that start to go wrong with bigger kids are deeper, more consequential, more emotional, harder for you to solve. You know, it's easy for you to solve a butt that wasn't wiped properly. It's harder for you to solve. That's right. You know, a kid who is not finding their way well in their current environment. Yes, bigger kids, bigger problems. But also, let's not in that skip bigger kids, less butt wiping, less car buckling, (laughs) you know, less feeding disgusting baby food, (laughs) eating real food, you know, eating regular meals where you have conversations about normal things. And I mean, in my case, it's Fortnite. But you even talk about that making one dinner, one dinner time and one set of what's for dinner. And occasionally, my eight-year-old got a cookbook for Christmas. She's really into cooking. Awesome. They cook, make dinner, you know, make their own breakfasts. And that stuff also, Amy always says, right? Lean into all of those things. Like, I'm hungry because you guys were asleep. Guess what? I'm going to teach you how to make breakfast, you know? Right. No one's going to make me a smoothie? No, you can make your own smoothie. You're 10 now. It's a blender. You can do it, you know? Yeah. And I think leaning into fostering that independence and leaning into like, look at you, buckle your car seat. It all helps go where you're going and it all helps make your life easier. Solved it. Solved it, guys. I really liked this topic. And for those of you who aren't quite there yet and these developmental milestones are taking a little longer, we see you too. But we're there to celebrate whenever you get there. Yeah. And we want to know when your life began again, come to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast. And there will be a discussion feed about this episode for you to weigh in. We have both a page and a group on Facebook. We're also, we're on all the social media, as you like to say, and you can find us at whatfreshhellcast everywhere, except on Twitter, long story. On Twitter, we're at WFH podcast. And you can also find, I'm going to try to get a link to the throw up stocking. The barf bag. And the article about the three kids can't fit in the back seat. And I'll put it up on our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next time. So long. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. 
It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.